This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? If not, your time is now. It's our resource specially designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it free for two weeks. There are different levels available so you can decide which perks you want from a behind-the-scenes newsletter that goes out every month to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident Velocity reader Liberty Hardy so you can see the most exciting new books coming up in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 192, and we are recording on August 6th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And from my box fort. Oh, you have a fort? Oh, yes, because you're moving. I guess. The next time I record, I will be in a new place, my new apartment, uh, same area generally of the world, but but there's an extra closet in the new apartment, so I'm going to try to have a recording closet. That's like actually for recording and not just... (laughs) You're going back to the closet. I know, I was just going to say, not just me shutting myself in a different closet. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. Great. I have uh, no box fort. It's not as fun. I just have a cold, so I sound a little bananas. Also, Tony Morrison died oh, last God. night, and everyone is the saddest yeah. and has been like crying all morning. So we all just we're having a day. Sound a little fr- a little froggy. Yep. This frog voice. By the time this show goes up, you all have heard about this. Tomo, poor one out. Yeah. I'm all flustered, y'all. So how the show works? As I said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you need, for example. A recommendation for a Toni Morrison book, uh, beloved. Or if you, uh, you know, read Harry Potter and need something to fill that hole in your heart, that's the example we always use, or Game of Thrones or anything like that, you need a request for your book club, you want to give your dad a special book for his birthday, whatever, you can email any and all of those to us. Um, The email address is getbooked at bookriot.com. You can also drop your question in the form, which is at the bottom of the show notes on the site. Uh, If your question is time sensitive, like you need it answered by a particular date for a holiday or birthday or whatever, or travel, um, please put that in the subject line of your email. If you're using the form, just put it in big giant letters at the beginning in your first line so that we see it. We might email you back if we have already answered your question on the show or if we're not going to get to it in time. Uh, we do have a little bit of feedback from Arlene, who is from Oldham, England, which is next door to, she says, and looking down on Manchester. I assume that's not metaphorically <laughs> down on Manchester. Like maybe physically looking down on, up, up a hill from Manchester. Right. Geographically, I assume. <laughs> My ears pricked up at the request for books set in and about Manchester, and she has three that she'd like to recommend. Chloe's Poems, Little Book of Manchester. Oh, that's her name. Chloe Poems is her name. Little Book of Manchester. Chloe Poems was the drag alter ego of Manchester-based poet gary potter she retired after controversially performing her piece the queen sucks i'm not gonna say the rest of the name of this (laughs) Woo! Uh, at manchester pride so that sounds great uh the night brother by rosie garland 
Uh, not a contemporary novel set in the early 20th century around the time of the suffragette movement. And let's see, Pies, Pies and Prejudice in Search of the North by Stuart McConney. Uh, exploration of the whole north of England, not just Manchester. But if you move to Manchester, you should really explore the rest of the north, especially the northwest. And this is a great book for that. Okay, thank you so much, Arlene. I really should have read the name of that poem before I started talking. That's what I get. That's what I get for uh, not doing my homework. I didn't notice it either. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read question one. Talk about our first sponsor, and then we're going to move on. Okay. Question one is from Anna, who says, I love books that take a look inside a certain industry. I've read Deep Sea and Foreign, going about commercial shipping and Flower Confidential about the cut flower industry recently. I previously read books about the funeral trade and the restaurant industry, so I'm looking for more, preferably ones that are about things that don't immediately spring to mind. All right. So our first sponsor is Libro FM. Y'all have heard us talk about this on the show several times and any of the other shows. We love Libro FM so much. They let you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local independent bookseller. So you can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. You get all the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the one that I'm talking about, um, but you will be part of the story that supports your local community. All you need is your smartphone and the Libro FM app, which is free. Um, if you love audiobooks but don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from your local booksellers. Uh, listeners of Get Booked can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. So just go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the code BR3, obviously book, right? Three, BR3, and get three months for the price of one. So thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, so interesting nonfiction about surprising jobs. I love this question. I also love these kinds of books. And the first one that came to mind was Fire Season by Philip Connors, which is about the time he spent working as a fire lookout, which I did not know <laughs> was a job until I picked this book up. It's like six months in a seven you know foot tower that uh, just like is in the middle of New Mexico in the forest. And your job is to make sure that there are no fires. You, you keep an eye out for smoke. And if you see it, you call it in. And then, you know, the fire management people come to deal with it. But otherwise, you're just standing around in a tower looking for smoke and thinking about things. Mm. And that is exactly what this book is, is Connor's reflecting on nature and on his own life. And, you know, he left a job as an editor at Wall Street Journal to do this. And there were, you know, he, he had gone through a loss in the family and some other personal moments. And so he is thinking, you know, he needs some solitude and some space. And it's just him and his dog. Like his wife comes to visit every now and then. But mostly it's just him and his dog. And and he's thinking about writing and literature because he's also in the same area that like Edward Abbey, for example, worked as a fire lookout, maybe in that same tower kind of thing. So he's thinking about the continuity of literature and then the literature of the West and then also the history of this job, which is fascinating. I didn't know any of these things. And he also recommends a couple books that dive into the history of fire management and forestry, which is super fascinating. So I think you will get a lot out of this book in the same way that I did. And then just that, like, this is a job. What? And he's a really mm. interesting person doing it. So that, again, is Fire Season, uh, subtitle Field Notes from a Wilderness Lookout by Philip Connors. 
I picked The Line Becomes a River by Francisco Cantu, who worked for border control for a while. And I picked this book because Francisco is Mexican. His mother was a Mexican Mexican uh, immigrant. No, no, no. His grandfather was an immigrant. Um, and he was raised in the Southwest. And he goes off to college and gets a degree in, I think, like international politics or international relations or something like that, and then realizes that that didn't actually teach him anything about what it's like to live at or, you know, experience the southern border of the United States. So he decides he's going to spend some time working for border control. And you get so much insight into what that job is like. TLDR, it's exactly as terrifying and dehumanizing as you would imagine. Um, And he has to spend his time you know, arresting people essentially who are fleeing for their lives. Um, oftentimes he's encountering dead bodies and then people that he does arrest, he has to take them to detention. He is one of the only people in his like, I don't know what you would call it, like squad of border control that speaks Spanish. So he is one of the only people who can actually communicate with the people that they find in the desert who have been, you know, without water and food for days. And it gets to the point where he can't, you know, deal with it in good conscience anymore. So he leaves and goes, he he takes a like civilian job for the government um, kind of higher up. I think it's not with Border Patrol, but it's still something like that. Uh, and then one day he has a friend who leaves the U.S. and goes back to Mexico to visit his dying mother and then can't get back into the country. And so he is like kind of hauled back into that world. But the look behind the curtain, I feel like, you know, especially with what's going on at the border right now, it feels very veiled, right? Like they're not letting press into any of the detention centers. Um, It takes our Congress people going down there and reporting on what they see after for anyone to have any idea what's going on. And so for someone to, to join Border Patrol and then like write a whole book about what that job actually entails and what your day-to-day existence is like working on Border Patrol, I think is really important. Um, so that's The Line Becomes a River, Dispatches from the Border by Francisco Cantu. Our next question is from Cami, who is looking for fun, light, and realistic YA for, uh, let's see, says, for my teenage daughters, age 15 and 16, I'm stumped. It seems we keep finding books with material that is too young for them or too dark and serious. They've liked To All the Boys I've Loved Before, When Dimple Met Rishi, and The Selection series. They would love realistic fiction that isn't teen romance, but we're having a hard time finding anything that isn't childish. So... I am just going to keep talking. I It is a romance, the one I picked for you. But I think it has enough other things going on in it that you will enjoy it. And and you mentioned, you know, to all the boys I've loved before and when Dimple met Rishi. And I get that you're trying to move away from that. But like, this is a great book and it is very contemporary. So it's Pride by Ibi Zaboy. And this is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, sort of. Uh, but it <laughs> takes place in Brooklyn. And if I recall correctly, like the Bushwick area of Brooklyn. And there's an Afro-Latino family that's been living there for a long time. And Zuri Benitez is uh, the daughter that we're following specifically here. And she loves her neighborhood. She loves her neighbor. She feels super comfortable. You know, it's what she knows. And the house across the street has been vacant for a long time. Like plants are growing out of the skylights kind of situation. And then it starts to get rehabbed. And they're like, oh, gosh, who is moving in? And in the meantime, the house has been completely gutted and rehabbed done so it's clearly somebody with money and it turns out to be a wealthy family last name darcy Uh, (laughs) and they they are a black family and they have two teenage boys
boys. And uh, Zuri's older sister, Janae, starts to fall for the oldest son. You can see where all of this is going. Um, Zuri clashes almost immediately with Darius. And but so they're in the course of them sort of becoming more attracted to each other slash interested to each other. You're also getting this really intense look at what Ziri's life is like because she she is like applying for colleges and trying to, you know, manage her sisters a little bit because she's got four wild sisters who are always off on different adventures. And she's got a lot of feelings about the gentrification that's happening in her neighborhood. And she's trying to figure out who she can be because she's so rooted in her place that the thought of leaving seems crazy. But there are things that she wants to do that she's not sure she can do if she stays. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here and I also love Zuri is involved in the slam poetry scene and there's this great sequence where she goes to an event in DC that I just loved so much and and it is you know balanced out by this romance but I think there's so much meat here it's not just like a fluffy romance there's so many layers to this story and Zuri is so well-rounded and her family is so fascinating it's like not at all the you know a carbon copy of the Bennett family from Jane Austen like it's a much more honestly much more interesting family uh and and i think that there's so much to talk about and that your girls will really love it and that you would love it so again that's pride by eb zaboy all right i picked hearts unbroken by cynthia leidich smith which is just a delight it's just a delight um cynthia leidich smith is a member of the muskogee creek nation and hearts unbroken is about a native girl um, whose name is Louise. She lives in Kansas with her family. And the book opens with her dating this like very popular football player who openly mocks native people in front of her. So she like immediately dumps him, which I just so much respect. Uh, she immediately dumps him. It's her senior year. And she would rather spend time like with her family who she loves all her friends and uh, taking over the school newspaper. This is like her ambition. The editors pair her up with this guy named Joey, who's a photojournalist, like kind of wannabe photojournalist. Um, and they get assigned this the story which is happening in the local community which is that the director of the school the school musical uh, which is the Wizard of Oz has decided to purposefully have the casting of the Wizard of Oz be inclusive so he casts Louise's little brother as the Tin Man and casts a black girl as Dorothy and the, the white middle class parents in this Kansas town freak out they form a like a group called parents against revisionist theater they start writing op-eds about reverse racism uh all this kind of stuff so Luis and joey are like put on the beat of of interviewing these parents and you know trying to figure out where all these hostilities are coming from so this is what the book is about her and joey do have a romance like there is a will they won't they between the two of them um and it does involve a, but it's not just like i don't even it's not just like kissing for kissing sake i don't which is fine i love kissing for kissing sake to be clear um but she is really navigating like how do i date a boy who doesn't understand what it's like to be a native person and like doesn't understand my lived experience or my culture or my family or our traditions and like sometimes says things that are dumb and like he doesn't mean to but this is a thing I'm gonna have to deal with if I date someone outside of my community so like it's a really interesting 
way that the romance unfolds. Um, but mostly I just love her. Like she, this character knows herself so well and is so proud of who she is and takes no guff from anyone. And the whole time you're like, yeah, be a journalist. Like I want to see you on CNN. Why are you not real? It's so great. And I think a really great book for um, even like younger 14, 15 year old teenage girls to read. So that's Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Leidich Smith. All right. Question three is from Cheyenne, um, who says, I recently came out as non-binary after several years of being out as queer slash bi. I'm looking for a book with queer or non-binary characters, so that certainly doesn't need to be the focus. I would just like to see more of myself represented in the things I read. I like a little bit of everything, and I don't shy away from YA or children's book. Jessica loves Julian is a Mermaid is what inspired me to come out as non-binary. I would just say no religious books, please, and bonus points if the book is written by a queer or non-binary author. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Um, first of all, Julian as a mermaid is adorable. The best. <laughs> I love. I got that book for. It's a picture book. I got it for my kids. It's like adorable. It's just. Oh, it's really pretty. I like watercolor drawings. Anyway, so I picked Freshwater by Akweke Amezi, who is a non-binary transgender author, and this book is so odd. It was longlisted. Was it shortlisted? I think it was longlisted for the Women's Prize um, last year, which is why I read I read it because I usually try to read all the books on the long list, and I hadn't heard much about it before I picked it up for that reason, and I became like immediately obsessed with it. So it's about a girl named Ada who is born in Nigeria, and she's born a. It's so hard to explain. She's born a splintered soul, like she's born inhabited by various and sundry gods who do not mean her well. They don't necessarily mean her harm, but they certainly don't mean her well. So she grows up with this very kind of splintered personality. She can be very dramatic and volatile, uh, depending on which of these like gods is in control of her at the time. She experiences a trauma when she goes to America for college, which um, makes the gods inside of her more even more powerful. Uh, and so she has to like spend her life dealing with this thing, this fact that like she's inhabited by all these spiritual beings, some of whom make her act out in ways that, that she regrets later. And depending on which God is like in control of her in the at, at the moment, that kind of dictates whether she's presenting to the world in a binary gendered way or not. So it's really fascinating. And the author, Amezi, this is an autobiographical novel, which is such an interesting, like if you come at religious experience from a skeptical perspective, which I do a lot of the time, like this is what the author believes is true of their experience. Um, and so it's like, whoa, ha ha ha, what? <laughs> How though? And I just, you know, this book is very much not for me. And so like was not written for me. And so I just sat with it. And it was such a fascinating and like lovely challenge to everything that I know or think that I know about like mental health treatment and uh, gender expression and like religious cultural expression, all of it. It's so fascinating. I And then I went down this rabbit hole of like watching their interviews on YouTube. <laughs> there are a lot and they're all amazing and just uh, popcorn, like just pop a bunch of pop, read the book, pop some popcorn, sit down, fall down a rabbit hole on YouTube of, of interviews with this author because they're so great. Um, so that's Freshwater by Akweke Amezi. I need to read that. Sharif is also obsessed with it. And I just yes. I'm so behind. Also, there's a new YA novel by Amezi that I need to get mm -hmm. to. Anyway. Okay. So my pick for you is also by a non-binary author, J.Y. Yang. And 
I picked specifically the Red Threads of Fortune, but this is technically number two in their Tensorit series, which has four books currently all out. Um, but Red Threads of Fortune and uh, the Black Tides of Heaven came out at the exact same time, and they're really companions. So I don't think I read this one first, and I don't think you're going to lose anything by then going and reading the others in a different order. But I'm recommending th that you come to this one first, specifically because there's a great non-binary character named Ryder in it and basically everybody in these novellas is queer like all of them really <laughs> but the story revolves around twins uh sanao makoya and akiha and this one really focuses on sanao she lost her daughter in an accident that was very upsetting and really has not moved on very well and she's the daughter of a very powerful political figure and is sort of living in the outskirts like trying not to deal with anything basically uh and so she like has like her own like dinosaur mount as it were it's called a naga but it really is dinosaurs and you know just does does desert things and then there's this huge out of control naga that is threatening a city and so makoya has to go out and try to like hunt it down and prevent it from hurting anybody and that's when she meets Ryder. And Ryder is very mysterious in all kinds of interesting ways. And there's an immediate attraction and things roll out from there. And there's magic and there's politics and there's, you know, different like rebel groups. And there's a lot of family feelings. And I just love this series so much. The world building is so interesting. The magic system is fascinating. All of the characters are so complex and well drawn. I'm just super, super a fan for this series. I love it so much. And they are novellas, so they're on the shorter side, but each is so compactly perfect that I think I forgive, I forgive J.Y. Yang for that. And, <laughs> and there are four of them, so it's like, okay, so there's more. Like, I just need more, 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 more. So hopefully the series will go on for a good long time. But I think you'll really dig it. They're just really fascinating characters, lots of queer, lots of non-binary, and again, written by a non-binary author. So that I'm recommending The Red Threads of Fortune by J.Y. Yang. It's number two in the Tensorit series, Read all of them. <laughs> all right. So let's see. Our next question is from Nicole, who says, oh, I love this question. My identical twin sister and I love reading about twins, and I love some twinish recommendations from you all for us to read together. We're open to any genre other than horror or reading level, middle grade and beyond. Uh, would prefer a fun, upbeat, kick-ass, bright, optimistic plot, since both plots surrounding twins tend to be dark for some reason. Would love it if you could recommend some reads that don't involve the typical good twin, bad twin trope. Uh, let's see. No twin death, no abuse or tragic death of kids. And we're huge fans of strong, fabulous, outrageous, potentially superpower girls who kick ass. Awesome. Uh, okay, Amanda, what did you pick? I picked Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, uh, which is just lovely, super fun YA novel. What? Is it young adult? New adult? They're in college. It's their first year of college. Oh, that's a good point. I guess it's tech. I think it was published as YA, though. Yeah, it was published as YA. They're in, they're freshmen. The twins are freshmen in college, which I guess is technically in 2019, new adult, but whatever. It's not relevant. Um, so identical twins, uh, Kath and Ren, get it? Ew. <laughs> um, <laughs> are going away to college. Their mother has died. And so they've been living with their father, um, 
you know, alone, obviously. And they, Kath is the main character, and they sort, she sort of assumes that her and Ren are going to live together when they go away to college, um, and continue being each other's whole world and best friends and everything. And they've spent their lives, like their adolescent and teen years, being really involved in this Simon Snow fandom. And in this world, Simon Snow is kind of like a Harry Potter avatar. So they've grown up like in the forums online, you know, on Tumblr, dressing up like the characters for the midnight book releases and writing Simon Snow fan fiction to the point where Kath is like actually kind of famous. She's been writing fan fiction in this universe for so long and they're like so developed and um and in depth that in in this like fandom she is a well-known entity uh, quantity and so they go to college but then Ren tells Kath actually I don't want to be your roommate uh, which is a little bit heartbreaking for Kath so she's on her own um, completely like outside of her comfort zone living away from her twin for the first time and she gets a roommate who's like very cranky if you watched Felicity at all like that roommate (laughs) is who I was envisioning I don't remember her name but Felicity's roommate when she first moves to Harvard or wherever it is uh, is definitely who I had in my brain and her boyfriend's always around the roommate's boyfriend Um, and what's like even worse is that Kath you know is an English major of course and she goes to her fiction writing class with the books that she's been writing these like fan fiction books which are like excellent like objectively good and her fiction writing professor is just a giant snob who doesn't think that fan fiction is um a valid form of artistic expression gives her a lot of crap for it Uh, and so she and then there's also like the added element of they've left home and she's really worried about her dad who has never been on his own without one of the girls there both of them there to, to like take care of him he's very like easily distracted and kind of dopey and doesn't know how to do laundry and like doesn't know what he's doing not a grown human being um and so the book is really just about like what is she gonna do (laughs) like what you know this crisis uh this identity crisis that comes with the art that she's always defined herself through being completely invalidated she doesn't know how to handle herself without her twin um she doesn't know how to handle like living with a grumpy goth girl and all of these boys who are like coming in and out um of her dorm and like how to college is basically the question um but it's really just like sweet and nice a very down-to-earth kind of story uh and super relatable like we all did that thing we all whether you went to college or not when you left home what who am i and what do i do with my hand eyes is like a thing that every person <laughs> has to has to do whether you're leaving like your parents or you know a twin that you've been with your whole life so that's fangirl by rainbow Rowell. yeah i love that book uh, I picked Slayer by Kirsten White. I will say before I delve in that one of the secondary characters, there's some mention of abuse she suffers from her parent, but it's not graphic or a major part of the plot line. So like it's in there, but it's really not the central focus of this book at all. So Slayer is, as you might have guessed from the title, part of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. I was so excited when this book came out because it's not about Buffy. It's about a young woman named Nina and her twin sister Artemis, and they are the daughters of Watchers. So they have grown up like in the Watcherverse, knowing about Slayers and vampires and werewolves and all of those things. And then the events of the show, Buffy the show, like mean that most of the watchers get killed in this very dramatic you know attack and somehow nina and artemis and her family and a few others escape and now they live in a magical hidden castle in scotland it's awesome and they are trying to like figure out what do like if 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 all of the slayers are sort of all of the potentials are now slayers like what is the role of watchers like what are they supposed to be doing 
also Buffy broke magic and like keeps doing all of these random things and there Nina's very frustrated about Buffy it's kind of hilarious um and Nina and Artemis are they are sort of set against each other but it's by the expectations of people around them they're really close but Artemis is like the athletic you know motivated like ambitious twin who's being groomed for all of these things and Nina has been told her whole life that she's you know, weaker and fragile and needs to be protected. And she's a healer sort of by vocation and inclination. So she has been focusing on learning to heal people and has developed this really intense philosophy around it because, you know, a lot of this like Slayerverse stuff is very violent. And she's like, well, what if we focused more on healing rather than killing? And so she has this wonderful perspective. And then one day, a demon attacks the castle, like a giant like octopus demon attacks the castle, and she gets drenched in demon goo. And then weird things start to happen to her and she finds out that she's not the person that she's been told her whole life and that people have been hiding secrets uh, from her that are about her. And so her relationship with Artemis changes and her relationship with with her mother, which was already very complicated, changes. And of course, there's like a guy that she's interested and that's becoming more complicated. And also there's like murders happening. Like there's a lot going on in this book. It is very action-y. But I really loved how rooted this story was in like when you've grown up really close to somebody but it's still complicated and then one of you change seems to change in a really dramatic way how do you maintain that relationship and like nina and artemis are both totally kick butt they're both really great interesting well-rounded characters and you're hearing this from nina's perspective so it kind of seems like things are one way but the book lets you see that there's more to it than just her like teen angst frustrations going on here and i just i just loved it the action sequences were so fun i was already a fan of buffy the vampire slayer so you know it was probable that i was gonna like this but i do think that even if you never like if you just like have heard of Buffy but you're not deeply immersed in the series it's really not about Buffy and the rules of the universe are established pretty well so I don't think you need to be like a hardcore fan or even a casual fan to get into this because really what it's about is Nita and Artemis so yes so I think you'll super enjoy it it's it's very fun uh Slayer by Kirsten White And now is the time for our next sponsor, which I personally read and loved. Huge fans over here, as most of you know, of Alicia Rye. And she has a new book out called The Right Swipe. It is, I've been waiting for this one. Uh, Rhiannon, who is the heroine, was like a side character in some of her other books. And I was just like, when are we going to get Rhiannon? And now we've got her. It's so exciting. So she is the inventor slash yeah, inventor, programmer uh, of a very like specific kind of dating app that's sort of changing the game in dating apps and websites. And she's built her company from scratch and worked really hard to do it and has not really had great luck in the relationship department. And the one time she did have good luck on like a random hookup, he ghosted her. So she doesn't feel great about that. And now she's trying to like take uh, she's she wants to put in an offer on a competing website and she shows up to this party trying to get a hold of the person in charge and who should show up. But the guy who ghosted her, who turns out to be like related to the owner of this rival company, and he is like determined to talk to her. And she's like, no, we you had your (laughs) shot. No, no, no. But, you know. This is a romance novel. You can guess Mm -hmm, that things mm -hmm. go out from there. 
And, oh, I love this book so much. And the hero, Samson Lima, is a former pro football player. And part of his story in The Right Swipe is about his transition from, like, being an athlete to, you know, being in a boardroom of a corporation. And, like, also, he can't play football anymore. So what is he going to do with himself? And he's got a really beautiful backstory um, because his family were all sort of in football and really struggled with CTE and, like, concussion-induced depression and all of that stuff. So that becomes part of it. And then Rhiannon obviously has trust issues. She is a really terrible ex who shows up and is like a gaslighter and an emotional manipulator, and it's real bad news. So like it, the joy of this is both how interesting the characters are and then how they come together despite their issues, which is always the joy of romance. I love it. So it's an enemies to lover stories, their business rivals, and also have a little bit of history. It's super fun. You're gonna love it. So that is The Right Swipe by Alicia Rye. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Our next question is from Melissa, who says, every so often, I come upon a book or movie that broadens my mind and my heart. These books and movies usually have unconventional characters who become unlikely heroes. Strong character development, authenticity, and complexity are all fabulous. Magical realism is bonus. Some of my favorites uh, in this genre have been The Seventh Gate by Richard Simler, Peace Like a River by Life Ang... Mm, Leaf Anger, Mink River by Brian Doyle, Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson, Sing, Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward, and Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Alire Sanz. I would love another one to devour and fall in love with. Okay, I went with America is Not the Heart by Elaine Castillo. Uh, you seem to have kind of like a nice literary fiction um, un- unconventional main character thing going on here, which, you know, is what you just said, so. That wasn't very creative of me. Um, but the, the main character in America is not the heart is literally named hero. And you said unconventional hero. So that's what made my brain go there. I don't know. It was a weird moment. It was a weird moment for me. But she is Filipina. She lives in the Philippines. She When the book opens, she's like arriving in America to stay with her uncle and his wife, who's a little bit younger, um, and their daughter, who I think when the book opens is six. And Hero has a very mysterious past. And it um, it's the 90s, I think, when she comes to America uh, and she is living in the Bay Area. Um, and as a child, she was a member of the Devira family, which was this very powerful and wealthy family who had um, political connections with, um, oh gosh, what was this? Marcos. <laughs> uh, and so she leaves. The hero leaves her family in the Philippines. When she goes to college, she gets recruited by a local militant communist faction, which she joins. Um, she isn't involved in like, you know, the the violent part of being a, a communist guerrilla in the Philippines. She acts as their doctor because when she's taken or when she joins up with them, she's pre-med. So she has some medical experience and she acts as their doctor. She's eventually arrested um, and imprisoned by uh, the Marcos regime. She's tortured. And then they find out who she is. Like she... Um, that, that she is, you know, a member of this big, powerful family and they let her go. Um, and she flees. She moves to America to live with her uncle. And you get flashbacks of this, of her history. And then her just trying to, you know, build a new life in the U.S. The problems being that she can't use her hands because they part of that was like her torture. They broke her knuckles. So she can't really use her hands. So working is like kind of hard for her. She can't really drive. Um, she's also 
bisexual and like is do i hide it do i not like it's you know san francisco in the 90s probably fine but she grew up in a very rigid catholic family in the philippines where not so fine um and she kind of like it's a very quiet novel obviously she's dealing with a lot of trauma um and like making friends do i open up do i not like it's a very internal kind of book like the Marilyn robinson that you uh said that you really liked um but watching her i don't even know how to say it not not get a grip because that's a little that's like condescending almost like watching her steal herself kind of and process her past and figure out how to move forward with her you know new family um, i mean they're not new it's her uncle but like her, a family that accepts who she is and is willing to give her time and space to handle and deal with and process what she's gone through is heroic like just that like her survival is an act of heroism um and coming to america and deciding that she's not going to let a terrible political uh, experience like ruin her life so that's america is not the heart by elaine castillo i picked exit west by mohsen hamid because I, this one just seems made for you i don't know it's, it's <laughs> you might have already read it but you didn't list it so i'm gonna go with it and this is it has the lightest lightest touch of magical realism in that in this version of our world, there are doors that link one geographic location to another completely different geographic location. But that's the only magical realism part of this. Otherwise, it's very rooted in uh, realism. And it takes place in an unnamed country that's on the brink of civil war. And two young people meet, uh, Nadia and Saeed, and they have like a secret love affair for various reasons. There's cultural and religious reasons that they can't be openly together. Um, and, and the unrest gets worse and worse and worse until they're hiding out together. And they start to think about these doors. Like, can we get to one if we go somewhere else will it be better will it be worse like what do we need to do and so they decide to leave their country and try their chances uh in in other places and so it is a refugee story and they travel to multiple places and everywhere they land has its own challenges and their relationship one of the things i love about this book is how their relationship to each other develops over the course of time it doesn't it's not simple and it doesn't follow the trajectory that i would have expected and i loved that i loved how it evolved because it's so true that as you undergo, you know, trauma and intense relocation and just shifting circumstances, who you are has to move with that. And you might not always move in the same ways as the people that you love or the people that you're moving with. So this book really deeply understands that, you know, sometimes we grow apart, sometimes we grow together. And how do you handle that inside of a relationship? And then also, I think it's just, I mean, this came out what yeah 2017 so a couple years ago still very timely still very interesting from a lot of cultural and political standpoints and Hamid is just I love his writing style I think some people don't love it but I do it's a little bit meandering it's a it's a very gentle soft kind of gauzy sometimes but it's so it's so immersive I always feel really pulled in by the way his sentences work so again that's Exit West by Mohsen Hamid and our next question is from Helen, 
Who says? As an avid reader, I want nothing more than to read a book with my non-reader husband. My dream may soon be realized because he just asked me for some recommendations on books about politics. He reads a bunch of articles every day about politics and sports online, but is now ready to graduate to books. Do you have any recommendations about U.S. politics that reads like fiction and are interesting enough to capture the attention of a non-reader? It can be about the current political climate or anything in the past as well. Uh, I can't provide any books he's liked, but he does read a ton of articles and forums on Reddit. Interesting. Such an interesting question. And not a Brandon Sanderson question about husbands, which I appreciate. Thank you. Why <laughs> y'all's husbands read and only read Brandon Sanderson? Why? It's an interesting intersection. So Amanda, what did you pick? All right. I picked On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder. The subtitle is 20 Lessons from the 20th Century. I love this book. It's a tiny little book. It's like 125 pages. I picked it because it reads like a bunch of Reddit posts, like somebody who is transitioning from doing most of their reading online to reading uh, like full length books. I think this is a really great uh, in between book for that. Timothy Snyder is a professor of history at Yale. Um, He's a really well-respected and well-known a scholar of the Holocaust. And the books that he's written in the past, which Black Earth, I think was one of them, anyway, it doesn't matter, are about Hitler and Stalin and examining and dissecting how those two men came to power and like were able to overcome established kind of democratic norms in order to, you know, make genocide happen. Like, how did that happen? Right. Um, And so he writes this book as a primer based on those events, lessons that he's taken out of his studies of Hitler and Stalin and how democracy can crumble and yield yield to fascism um, and applied them to modern American politics. The book came out in 2017, and it was a direct response to what was happening and what is still happening in our current political climate. And he wrote it after the election. Uh, And so it's very, they're like little, they're very pithy. Each chapter is, you know, it's 20 lessons from the 20th century. So each chapter is a little not it's not a quote, you know, they're longer than that, but a little um, moral or piece of I don't know, not advice, but like things to keep in mind, you know, that America could learn from what happened in Europe so that we don't repeat um, or go any farther down the road of repeating, which we already are, um, those instances. So, you know, even if he's if he likes history at all um, and how it informs our current political climate, then I think that this would be a really fascinating book for him. I loved it. Um, a lot of the things that he said, like, they're very simple, but also like how to do, <laughs> you know, like, don't let the press be taken over by the government, like, gr- right. But like, how, what do I what am I supposed to do about that? Well, there are things that you can do about it. And he has suggestions. Uh, it's not a book about activism, though. Like if you're if your husband is like, not into being an activist or being like politically involved or any of those sorts of things. It's not it's not like that. It's not like go out and write your senator. It's just these are very conceptual um, ideas. So that's On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. I picked What Truth Sounds Like by Michael Eric Dyson, who is, among other things, a radio host. And so I feel like that comes across in that this book is very accessible. And it is short. I know it, for some reason it says 300 pages, but I think the margins on that 300 are like really large. Like it's not a big book. And What Truth Sounds Like is about this really interesting moment in history that I had not previously read about, where in the in 1963... Robert Kennedy asked James Baldwin to explain to him, like, what black activists were feeling during the civil rights movement. 
And Baldwin brought along a bunch of different people, including Lorraine Hansberry um, and a psychologist and Jerome Smith, who's an activist. And and I think what Kennedy expected was to have like sit down and have like a very reasonable conversation about race. And that's not what he got. <laughs> and and, and the, the meeting went on for like nearly three hours. And and uh, and like he was like frustrated that they weren't as easy to talk to as Martin Luther King. But um, but he eventually sort of came to understand once he had like processed a bit about what he had heard at that very contentious meeting. And it then changed the way that he thought about civil rights policies. And so what this does is like examines both the content of that meeting based on, you know, reports from people who are there and transcripts and things like that. And then, you know, looking at Bobby Kennedy's policies and what he decided to do next and how it shaped all of those things. And I think and and Dyson also thinks this like I think this because Dyson has shown it to me that, you know, this is a really interesting way to look at framework to look at what's happening right now. Like there are, we do cycle through these things. History is a pendulum. It swings back and forth. And it's not necessarily that we're repeating exactly, but there are lessons that we can learn. And these conversations, like they're still happening. So how can we shift those conversations farther this time around? It's a really fascinating read. And I I think it is like, I think it's just such an interesting story. And the people involved are so fascinating that I do think it would grip even a non-reader. I hope, I hope that it will. Uh, and I, I, I found it pretty quick to read, pretty accessible. So my hope is that he finds it the same way. So again, that's What Truth Sounds Like by Michael Eric Dyson. All right. Our last question is from Holly, who says, recently, both me and my sister have gotten into the slightly niche genre of Eastern Asian authors writing about or from the point of view of animals. This includes books like The Guest Cat, uh, Anything by Son Mei Huang, The Members of a Polar Bear by Yoko Tawada, and The Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro Arakawa. I would like to get my sister another book of this kind, but I'm running out of ideas and was wondering if you would be able to help. It doesn't really matter where the authors are from. It's just the style that we enjoy, although extra brownie points if they aren't British or American, as we read so many of those anyway. All right. Um, I cheated a little bit. Uh, the, my, uh, the author that I picked is Leline Paul, who wrote a book called The Bees. She is British, um, but she's the daughter of Indian immigrants. So mm, it counts for me. I don't know. Um, and this is the weirdest, maybe the weirdest book I've ever read. Like that, that whole subgenre of like speculative fiction that's like fiction from sentient animals. Although like animals are sentient. I don't even know. Like I'm seeing I'm already going down the road. Like this is such a weird genre but it's so cool so as you can tell from the title this book is about bees the main character bee the main bee's name is flora 717 and she is a very lowly sanitation bee and yes this whole book takes place in a beehive like from the point of view of this bee um and she is very dedicated to her position in her society she very much like believes the things that she's been told about who she is and how society needs to be run which is that like her job is to clean this hive and that is it but she soon discovers, as she reaches maturity for a bee, um, that she has talents and abilities that aren't normally bred into somebody of her class. So she's mutant, like bees that have outside of the rigid hierarchy, like that have abilities outside of what their class is supposed to have are usually killed. But she is decided, it's decided that like she's useful. So she's reassigned to feed newborn bees. Eventually, she becomes a forager, so she's allowed to like leave the hive and go collect pollen and all that stuff. And then um, she becomes a member of the queen's like inner circle. And as she, her 
position in society changes, um, she realizes there is like some very creepy and ominous things happening. And then she like does one act of rebellion that has these really far reaching and rippling consequences for her whole society. It feels so epic. Like it feels like you're reading an epic fantasy novel about the fall of a big medieval city when it's like just a beehive <laughs> but it's so weird and like you feel for this character and then you, I, I you know never looked at a bee the same again which I went into it loving bees I like bees they're very useful um and like cute but now I feel bad about I don't know y'all see I can't even <laughs> complicated feelings about bees <laughs> I know like I look at them and I'm like do you know that I'm a person you know like (laughs) all the bees in the book are sentient and they're not you know like they're not I don't know humans um and and they don't have like uh ideas about the wider world or whatever but it is very weird I still eat honey though I don't know y'all I don't know what to say. It's just a strange. It was t- when I picked it up because it was tagged as uh, The Handmaid's Tale meets The Hunger Games, but bugs. Right. Um, and I don't I don't think either of those things are accurate. It is a dystopian uh, in as much as like in a beehive. Dystopia in a beehive. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> it's so interesting. So interesting. And such a mind warpy sort of book. So that's The Bees by Laylene Paul. I need to reread that now that I've been through my beekeeper course and see like how much my actual knowledge about bees lines up. Um, Also, I think reading that book led to maybe the most popular post I ever wrote for Book Riot, which was a flowchart of insects in literature. Yeah, (laughs) I will try to find the link to that and drop it in the show notes for anybody who's interested. So I also my pick is also very weird, very weird. It's 15 Dogs by Andre Alexis, who is uh, British by way of Trinidad, excuse me, Canadian by way of Trinidad. And trigger warning for harm to animals. Lots of bad things happen. This is about 15 dogs, as you might have expected from the title. And the, the concept of this book is that like, Hermes and Apollo are hanging out getting drunk and arguing about the nature of humanity, because that's what you do when you're a Greek god, obviously. And they basically make a bet. They're like, well, if you gave animals human consciousness, they would be just as miserable as people are. And the other one's like, no, no, I think they would not be as miserable because, you know, even if you gave them consciousness, like dogs are just fundamentally different from humans. And so they decide to grant consciousness to a bunch of dogs who are spending the night at a Toronto veterinary clinic. And this pack of dogs suddenly, like, is aware of everything. And so, of course, they escape and go roaming off into the world where lots of complicated things happen, including, like jockeying for power and, like, the pack gets divisive and there's, like, there's like alliances form and then shift and some dogs go off on their own and some try to stay together and some are caught by humans and some are not. And it's really, it's so strange. But a lot of the books that you're talking about are also have this like weird kind of surreal and like not exactly like happy, but interesting. Uh, And so, and like one of the dogs like takes up poetry and, and, and one of the dogs does get this amazing Oh, just amazing arc. But there are other ones where you're like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> um, it's like, it's like oh. So it's, it's really weird. It's a really, really odd sort of roller coaster of a book. And the central conceit is kind of interesting, especially, I mean, if you've ever owned a dog, you're like, what is going on? 
in that brain like what do you think people are like 100% of the time what is what is happening in there and <laughs> and and so this is just another way to look at that really and it's really weird and so if on the darker side even though it like ultimately ends on a nice note is not your jam skip it but if you're along for like a really bizarre roller coaster of a ride about dogs like give it a try so again that is 15 dogs by andre alexis it's just a weird genre like it's, there's no book that you could pick for this it's like this is a no, totally normal narrative I mean, right exactly like you think about like watership down you know which is sort of yeah. the er western novel about sentient animals and that's dark as hell too so yeah or like the the rat one. Oh yeah the rats of nim mrs frisbee and the rats of nim oh yeah Ra- red frisbee. wall yeah, yeah well red wall is a little bit lighter but like you know those snakes are no joke yeah nim is crazy. <laughs> okay anyway that's our show <laughs> thank you all so much for listening uh please leave us a rating a review on apple Podcasts. thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show you can find us on social media i'm on instagram at i'm amanda nelson And I am on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL. And you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to y'all next week. 